Welcome to Remember Your Why. I'm your host, Kristen. Many of us suffer from addiction and mental health, and we're here to talk about stories of success and recovery. Whether you're just starting out or have been on the healing journey for some time, it's important to always remember the why that brought you here to this very moment. What makes your heart tick? What sets your soul on fire? What or who inspires you? Whenever you are feeling on the brink of fight or flight, remember you have survived everything that's been thrown your way. Hold tight to that, because what is on the other side of the ugly are some pretty beautiful things that teach us some profound lessons. My hope for this podcast is that it will bring healing and peace to both my guests and the listeners, in some way, in some form. There truly is light on the other side of fear and darkness. Let's find it together. Welcome to Remember Your Why. I'm your host, Kristen. Today, I'd like to welcome John into the studio. John, thanks for joining us. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Um, John, I'm, I'm sober about 11 years. Um, sobriety dates May 21st, 2011. And um, yeah, just enjoying life right now. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it, sobriety? Yeah, absolutely. So talk about talk about a little bit the height of your addiction when things got really bad for you and you knew, you know, I have to stop soon or something, you know, terrible like death is going to happen. Yeah. Um, it happened a few times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just one time. Yeah. I, I think for me, I needed, I needed a lot of those experiences in order to get to the point where I would actually start to listen to other people that were trying to help me and yeah there were a lot of those moments Mm -hmm. Uh, i don't know do you want me to get into the specifics yeah when did you start um drinking and using how old were you well i'm from like an old school italian family that uh loves wine so i might Mm -hmm. have been you know four years old five years old drinking wine with grandpa and yeah you know 10 years old when i was like sneaking and sneaking bottles out of my stepdad's liquor store and 40s out of the deli the the bodega on the corner and yeah drinking with the boys in the park like yeah 10 11 12 like that's when that's when i started to you know drink with the crew and and when did things progress um immediately i mean you know just from the start it was you know okay you know 140 was 122 was good and 140 was good and 240s were good then you know, one blunt was good, and eight blunts were good, and you know, then the normal progression. So many other drugs, just you know, just a whole spiral. Yeah. What did you get into? What did you dabble in? Um, did you have a drug of choice? Yeah, I, I loved. Um, I mean, like alcohol and coke, like macaroni and cheese. Um, yeah, they go hand in hand. Yeah, I loved both, and yeah, I, I ended up with a friend one night and he was like one of my best friends and he was like smoke crack. And I was like, oh, shit. And I was like 16 or 17. I was like, all right, I'll try it. Tried it. And I love the taste of it. It's like not good. Just love the taste right. of crack. And so I love that. And then I was offered an opportunity to sell Oxycontin for, you know, really good value. And, you know, after a few months of selling it, I was wasted one night and tried it. And I fell in love with that too. And, um, you know, it only took withdrawing from oxys, completely sick, and then being with somebody that was um, doing heroin that, you know, told me that it's the same thing pretty much. And 
you know, it'll, it'll make you feel better. And then I, you know, fell in love with that next. So, you know, at the end, progressed quickly. Yeah. At the end, you know, between that was, I was about 23, 24 then. And, you know, the next three years I was on heroin and sniffing Coke and drinking and smoke crack like every single day. Yeah. Yeah. And when did you decide that you had enough? Was there a specific moment that you knew you just, you had to stop? Yeah. I was actually uh, out with my friend Steve, who's sitting right there. And uh, <laughs> we went out one night and I was trying to get sober. You know, I was in the rooms. I was with the sponsor. I was, you know, I had 90 days the week before that and relapsed. And this was the week after. And then uh, people, places, things. I went out and every drug I wanted was there. And I did all of them. And then. You know, down in the city at a club and went to another club and, you know, I was supposed to be having fun and I was miserable and none, nothing was working. And, you know, the next day, all I wanted was an oxy or a bag of dope. And um, that's when I woke up. I was like, wow, like I can't drink or get high and have a good time anymore. It doesn't work. So what's the point? Yeah, it's like, stop being fun. It's like that jumping off point where if I drink, if I get high, like I'm miserable. And if I don't, I'm miserable. So this is what everybody in, you know, the program was talking about. And maybe I should finally listen to them and just, just give up and start to do what they're telling me to do. Yeah. I mean, we do get to a point where it's not fun anymore and we're just doing it to pretty much do it and to escape. Do you find that you were using as a sense of escaping? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, in the beginning, I don't think I was trying to escape as much as... Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe it, it definitely made me feel better about everything in mm -hmm. life, about myself, about it made me feel good inside, it made me feel good about everything around me. It just made everything more fun. Yeah. It could be doing the same exact thing and, you know, without using or getting high and it would be absolutely boring. But since we're sitting in a basement and getting high and drinking, like it was great, like amazing, fun, like hilarious because we're all doing stupid shit. Right. So yep. it all just turned into a party. And just an everyday party. And then it was just, you know, with the drugs that were more addictive, like the opiates, it was just like, I have to do it to function because I'm already hooked. Yeah. So it was more of just like trying to be normal at that point, you know? So at first it was for fun and then it turned into progressed into, I'm just trying to be normal. Yeah. Do you think that there's a stigma against addiction out there right now? I don't know. Um, in what do you way? think people, do you think people look at addicts? Kind of like, you know, how they would think, oh, they're low down, you know, dirty, like bums, just doing bad things. Do you think that it's more acceptable nowadays? I mean, from my perspective and the people I talk to, when I tell them I'm in recovery, they receive it very well. In the beginning, when I first was getting sober, it was a little different, but I think it was because people were skeptical about and worried about my support. People that were like interested in me and like trying to get close to me, they would be like worried that I might relapse because I don't have a substantial time. Mm -hmm. Like that matters, you know, um, it's quality, not quantity. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, from a general standpoint, like 30,000 foot view looking down, I would say that it's, I think it's more, there's more information out there about it, which is good. I don't think, insurance and hospitals right now are doing a good job at all for, for helping people. Yeah. 
I think it's, I agree. I think it's awful. I think they're just more focused on the person with the, you know, diamond insurance and taking them as opposed to somebody who doesn't have insurance. And, mm-hmm. and that's, you know, that's something that scares me because I have, you know, I know people that need help and, and it's tough for them to get it immediately if they need it. Yeah. The resources aren't that available when it's needed. Yeah. Um, and that's still, that's still a problem. I agree that's going on right now. I think it's worse now than before. I think it was easier to get a bed in a rehab or a detox 12 years ago than it is now. Oh, for sure it is. And yeah. I don't know why, but. And it's not affordable. I mean, they don't, they don't really try to help out people who don't have like 30 grand, you know, for a 60 day stay. Yeah. How have your relationships with your loved ones changed from when you were in active addiction to now in sobriety? Like night and day. I mean, I was, yeah, we didn't, we didn't get along. You know, I took from them everything, like peace of mind, money, material things to the point where they changed the locks and the doors they didn't want me to have a key to the house because they don't worry i'm steal everything so right um crazy but now now they're like they're my they're my family now they're you know we're the way we were meant to be you know godfather to my nephew and you know my my brother and i get along better than ever you know my mother trusts me with her life and my stepdad and i are like best friends and you know, we can break each other's chops without being worried that, yeah. you know, I'm sensitive. I'm going to freak out or something like, you know. They just, yeah, it's like a complete 360. Yeah, it, better than ever. Better than ever, for sure. Yeah. You know, they they, they love recovery. They love what it's done. And it's, it's awesome. So. Yeah, it's a gift when we get to mend those relationships. Um, yeah. Because our heads are on straight. What would you say to your 10-year-old self if you could say something? To that child back then a lot probably right i'd say don't go i would say you don't need to go and listen to your boys telling you to steal a 40 from the deli <laughs> to be cool yeah you don't need anything to be cool you're already cool bro yeah i think it's um really hard when you are younger and you try to fit in and drinking is a big part of that so a lot of people turn to Oh, I'll have a beer or I'll smoke this blunt, you know, just to have fun and fit in. But, oh boy, how quickly it progresses. Yeah. What would you say is the best piece of advice you would give someone who's suffering from addiction? What would you say to someone? I would say, you know, they have a choice. There's a solution. Um, Don't need to continue to live like that. You don't want to. And if you want help, there's plenty of help out there. It's okay to ask for help and it's okay to accept help. And it's not going to make you less of a person to to go out and get it. Right. Don't need to do it alone. And it's not going to make you less of a man or a woman if you do it with help. Yeah. I think we need the help. I think that's a big key component on getting better. Um, I think it's, it, it's not it, easy. It, I think that the difference is I've known people that have recovered by themselves. I know people that recover with help. And the quality and the speed is just so much better and faster with help than doing it on your own. You know, I respect both, but at the same time, um, just think why not just take the easier, softer way as opposed to making this so difficult and hard on yourself. You don't need to. Yeah. Yeah. There is help out there. Do you have any coping skills and any coping mechanisms, I should say that 
are your go-to on a day-to-day basis that help you stay sober? Um, I mean, what I do to stay sober still to this day is I pray in the morning. I ask for help, for my higher power, I ask for direction. I try to live in my consciousness as opposed to my ego, which just means that I try not to listen to my ego telling me everything that I want at all day when I or, or being scared of losing something or, you know, I try to be, you know, just my spirit, love and happiness throughout the day. Um, that's what I try to do. It doesn't work all the time. Yeah. But <laughs> I try. And um, I do read Alcoholics Anonymous literature at night before I go to bed. I reach out to people that have sobriety that I respect throughout the day just to either check in on them or, you know, BS with them or, you know, just to, just to say hello. You know, I, I need that contact because it keeps me connected and I will still run things by people that, you know, I'm worried about or that I get confused about or I need direction about. Um, that's important. I still go to Alcoholics Anonymous meetings no matter where I am. And like Buenos Aires right now. And I went to a meeting Monday, you know, I go, that's great. I go wherever I am in the world. I go because I feel like I need to help others, which helps myself. And I think that the more I do that, the better off I am. So why not? And so I I love doing that. I try to help people whenever I can. And um, yeah, I I meditate. Um, I wish I did every single day. I don't. I'm definitely better at it today than I used to be. Maybe about, you know, three or four times a week. Um, And I'm trying to get better at that. Yeah, meditating is not the easiest. No, it's not. (laughs) Sitting with myself (laughs) is like the most difficult thing. And it's it's hard because you don't see results right away. You know, it's Mm -hmm. something that takes time and effort over a long period of time. So, you know, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I mean, other than that, I try to eat healthy. I try to, I still love my sweets and I try to exercise and, you know, I work. I try to be responsible, you know, all the normal stuff that you know, normal human beings should be doing. Yeah. (laughs) What would you say to somebody who's having a hard time finding a higher power? Because that can really be anything. It doesn't have to necessarily be God. You know, it can be a group of drunks. It can be, you know, the universe. Um, But that's a hard thing for a lot of people to grasp that. Yeah. I mean, I would just say walk outside and, you know, look up in the sky, the clouds, the sun, and or go look at the sea mm-hmm. or look at something that you can't control and that's been here before you yeah and ask it to stop and when it doesn't understand that there's something bigger than you and that could be mm-hmm. nature that could be god it could be whatever you want it to be you know and that that should start something yeah i love that i think that's very important Absolutely. that we have that we're gonna do a little fill in the blanks <laughs> When I am blank, I feel most like myself. Happy? Yeah. You sticking with that? <laughs> yeah. Okay. My journey has led me to believe in. God. Mm-hmm. Do you want to elaborate on that a little? Yeah. Well, I think like just what we were saying before, I developed a higher power. Getting sober, I think, has connected me to a higher power more than ever. At first, for me at least, I just... When I decided to try to get sober, I was just taking direction from people that got sober before me, and I 
use them as my higher power, meaning I use multiple people in the program to, you know, take direction from. And um, these are people that I respected and that had quality sobriety. So, you know, those are those are my higher powers at first, but they would tell me to pray, you know, in the morning, pray at night, and they would give me prayers to say. And, you know, we would talk about, as we went through the steps with my sponsor, we would talk about, you know, developing that and through different steps, it, it definitely helped to focus on like what to pray for and talking to God. And then, you know, I would go to, uh, my sponsor would drag me to retreats at, um, uh, yeah, at, like a Holy mountain. And yeah, you know, we would do this thing, um, in a chapel or Saturday night, dark, like 11 o'clock at night. And we would all be in the chapel. We would like ask God for help out loud, like what we wanted. And, that helped me t- to talk to God. And, you know, as things started to progress through my sobriety, I just started to see coincidences that were like, wow, I asked for that and this is happening. And wow, like this person said this and I was like just thinking about it or just so many things that happened coincidentally. It was like, there, there's no chance. It's just coincidence. Like this has to be a higher power. Something. And, and I still have seen so many things that happen like that all the time now. And you know, as the more um, connected I am, the more I see them, the more open I am, the more I see them. And, and so, yeah, like, as I continue my journey spiritually, as I continue to read, because that's a big thing too. I read not only uh, Alcoholics Anonymous literature, but like spiritual literature from different religions. Cause I take so many things from different religions and um, you know, I learned to be open to those things and how to accept those things, what I should be, you know, thinking about feeling about and acting on, you know, that's, that's helped me to, you know, expand my belief and not only belief, but just faith in that there's something bigger than me and connection to something bigger than me, whether it's the universe or, you know, just, just good energy on between all of us. So, yeah. You are never too young or old to fill in the blank. Get sober. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you could be 70 years old. And decide to make that change. Um, Because for us, you know, we take things one day at a time. So really all we have is today, this moment. Do you, do you find yourself living that way? You know, taking things one day at a time? Absolutely. I think the outside looking in, my life is insane. Like the way I, and a lot of people say they can never handle it because it's constant moving, constant shaking, constant, just all over the place between traveling, between working, between just everything. But when you take things a day at a time, just things are just so much easier because, you know, I'm not really so worried about tomorrow. You know, of course, plan things out of what's going to happen, but mm-hmm. more focused on the here and now. Yeah. I mean, if we're not present, then, you know, what was the point of getting sober? <laughs> you know, that's like such a big thing when we get sober that we're actually present now. We actually remember things. We make memories. We live in the moments, which is something we never did in active addiction. What advice would you give to the struggling addict? What would you say to someone? I mean, there's so many things. I mean, I, I would start by asking if they want help, number one. Yeah. Because if they don't, there's only so yeah, you much have you to can do. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is that if you, you know, if you, um, if I try to help somebody that doesn't want it too soon, it turns them off. I know, right. like, for me, talk to me too early. There's no chance. But yeah, at the same time. Because you didn't want it. No, exactly. At the same time, I, 
I did learn that there was a solution that people out were out there getting their lives together so that when the time came, when I, you know, had to get help, there was a place to go. So, right. you know, I, I do feel like I need to tell them about the solution, about, you know, what's available to them. And if they want it, you know, they can reach out, they can go here, they can go there. I mean, there's plenty of options. There's so many options and they don't have to continue to live the way they're living. And when they're ready, hit me up, you know? Yeah, just being there for people. If they're ready, then, then it's a matter of, okay, so if they're ready, there needs to be some action. Here's a list of things you should do. And, you know, it's, and I, I can only tell people what I did from my experiences. Um, you know, if, if you know, there, there's everybody had their own journey and has their own journey. So my way is not the only way, but at the same time, that's the only advice that I can give is from, from my experiences. So I will give that. And then, you know, in turn did work for me, definitely work for them. And if they want to take that path, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Tell me this. How do you remember your why, your purpose, the path that you're on? How do I remember my why? I typically remember it by thinking about the person that's still suffering out there that might need help because it just reminded me of where I was and uh, just that feeling of hopelessness, you know, that miserable feeling. It was like being in a place of darkness and yeah. And uh, my why now is to help that person. So, yeah. yeah. And you could be doing so just right now through this podcast. I hope so. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much, John, for coming on the show. Thank I really you. appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for thanks joining for us from Buenos Aires. Yeah, no problem. My pleasure. <laughs> Enjoy your time there and live in the moment. Thank you. All right. This All right. is Remember Your Why.